This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Genesis chapter 39. We're dealing with Joseph and Potiphar's wife. It is a important story. I think it's an important story for me to pause right here because there is a Joseph's reaction teaches us something, and it is important that you step back and think about it. Let me give you a little bit of background, a little bit of understanding that I have have about sin and about the way sin works in our lives, and my great respect or my great understanding of how actually how the Bible, when the Bible says we're utterly and completely wicked, my, my great admiration of how deep the Bible goes into explaining our wickedness, because it is absolutely true. God, for If you looked at yourself from God's perspective, as far as sin is concerned, it would be, it would seem if you, with your own mind, it would seem that it was hopeless, that there was nothing that could possibly change anything in any possible, possible way that would be good for you, that God would look down and say, man, that is just uh, unbelievably sinful. But now God also knows his power, his grace, his mercy, and he knows that he's able to overcome that. But from our perspective, if you really think about the depravity of our hearts, the depraved nature that we have, the utterly sinful nature that we have, no wonder the angels look on us with wonder and grace and mercy and God's work in our lives is so fascinating to them. No wonder he does, because there's no way, there's no possible way that from their perspective that we, it's like the ultimate comeback story of the, of life. It's the comeback story of the age. It's unbelievable that we could ever overcome sin and ever overcome this death that's in us because I, I, I want, I'm going to spend some time talking to the angels about it after they've watched the millennia go by and see all that God has done in us. It's just amazing. The reason I say that, the reason I'm, uh, it's wonder to me, it's amazing to me, is because sin does affect us. And th- sin does affect us in three ways because there's three aspects to who we are. And I'll go through this all the time. And about every six months or a year, I need to explain this. Because if you're listening to it on a podcast or if you're watching it in the morning, it helps you understand yourself. And the way you need to understand yourself is that you're made back in the image of God. That means you got three parts, okay? You've got a body, you got a soul, and you got a spirit. And there is a temptation or there is an attack of the enemy, one or the other, as far as our body and our soul are concerned, it's temptation. As far as our spirit's concerned, it's attack of the enemy so that our spirit, so that we don't allow our spirit to have control so that we don't operate in the kingdom, so that we don't do things according to God's will, but we go back and start operating in our flesh or start operating in our own mind and soulishness. That's what is going on. And so how does it work? This is how it works. First of all, we have youthful lust or fleshly desires. 
And those come just come from our innate nature. They're things that just are so difficult for us to deal with. And each person's fleshly desires are play out different in their lives. For some people, it's addiction. For some people, it's sexuality. For some people, it is a desire to look a certain way or a desire to be seen by other people this way. And by the way, each one of these different areas plays out different in different in your life. You might look at one person and say, that's just being worldly. No, it's actually a lust of their flesh. They really desire some people it, it's it's food. Some people it, it, you just come if you if it's something that just kind of your body hungers for, I'm gonna tell you some people it's gossip. They just got to be gossipy, got to be telling everything and everybody, oh girl, look at that. And that's that's that is a just a desire of their flesh is to talk about other people. And if it's something that's just so innate in them that they it's almost like they got to do it. If they don't do it, they're gonna they're gonna start jonesing for it. They start having the shakes and they're looking for their next hit of it. If that's what it is, then that's a lust of the flesh. And the Bible has one rep- recipe for it. Flee. Get away from it. Stay away from whatever it is that is the lust of your flesh. Flee from it. Get away from it. The Bible says flee youthful lust. And that's another way you can tell that this is a lust of the flesh because you've had it for a long time. It's been there since you can remember. It's been, I, it's been there since way, way back. And uh, you were that way since you were a child. Some of the lust of the flesh is laziness. Some people just, they're going to just stay in bed and sleep and they don't want to do anything and they don't want to, and that's it. That's a lust of the flesh. It's a desire of your flesh. And it's a, and they're always destructive desires. They're not positive desires. If you think about it, they're, they're not good things. Those things have to be taught to us. They have to be, they have to be trained in us. Those things have to be, we have to work toward. And the lust of the flesh are, boy, that, that's a difficult subject. And the reason the Bible deals with it that way is the Bible knows that you, in your own power and your own strength, or even in the kingdom power and strength, you're always going to give into that lust. You're always going to give into that desire. You're always going to turn over to that because that's the way it's been in your own flesh, in your own sinful, utterly sinful flesh forever and ever. Then you have what is called worldliness or soulishness, and that's a desire to be conformed to the image of this world. And the Bible says, do not be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, meaning God changes your mind from thinking or acting or being like the world and changes it to God's will, God's way, God's best. That's really what the salvific process is about. It's taking me away from a worldview and taking me to a God view or taking me away from the way the world deals with situations and having me act and be as God is. And worldliness can take on all kinds of form. It's a desire to be liked by other people. It's a desire for for some women. It's a desire to look stylish. And so they always got to wear the right clothes. I can identify with that a little bit. I like to have a nice clothes. Some guys, they've been wearing that t-shirt for 40 years. They had that t-shirt when they were in the army when they were 21 years old, and they're still wearing it, but they're wearing it to church. And you that's okay. You can wear it to church. I'm good with that. But let me say this. You're not world, your worldliness 
doesn't play out in your fashion because you don't really care. And uh, you know those people, but you also know those people that, uh, boy, they would just do anything to look good and to look right. They're always got, those are, those are the people that the selfie stick was made for uh, so that they could get those all those angles so that they can have pictures of time. They think they look good. They got to take those pictures. And I think that, I think you can understand how worldliness is. I want to be in the right places. I want to be seen by the right people. I, I want to be like the world, whatever the world is offering, it, worldliness is a desire to be like that world. Worldliness is a desire to act and be a part of the world. And the Bible tells us to not be conformed to the image of the world. Do not take on the image of the world, but take on the image of God. What does that mean? That means that I have to deny that when I realize that that is not a godly trait, but that's a worldly trait, I have to reject it. And that is, that's a prescription for it. Now, the youthful flesh, what do we have to do? We've got to run from it. Get away from those things that cause your flesh to itch. But worldliness, you have to de- make a determination because we can't be out of the world. We can't go up to Nova Scotia and build a cabin out in the woods and live by ourselves. You can do that, but that's not prescribed by God. And it's not prescribed by his word that we do that. The Bible says be in the world but not of the world, which means that I'm supposed to operate in the world. I'm supposed to be light to the world. I'm supposed to do the things that the world wants me to do. I mean, that God wants me to do in the world. I want. I need to be doing the things that change the world. But when I'm doing that, when I'm operating in that, when I'm when I'm do when I'm saying those things and being those things and acting out as God would have me act out, do not take on the ways of the world, but take on God's ways. And when we're attacked in our soul or our mind, our heart, our passions, our intellect, when we have a desire to send toward that, what we're having a desire to do is be like the world rather than be like God. And so the prescription is don't be like that. Choose God's will. Chase after God. Figure out who God is in the situation and join God as he works in it. Now, the third way we're attacked is not an actual attack toward sin. It's an attack that diverts us from the power of God. And that is what we call a spiritual attack. And it is literally a spiritual attack. It's literally a spiritual. The ladies are doing a ladies Bible study on this right now in our church. A great group of ladies are doing that. And the spiritual attacks are the attacks by the enemy that are meant to cause us to not operate in the spiritual. And the best way for me to describe them are when I am doing that which is not the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If something in my life is causing me to feel intense hate, that's a spiritual attack. And it is causing me to operate in hatred rather than to operate in love. And when I'm operating in hatred rather than operating in love, I am not effectuating the kingdom of God in me. I'm not causing that kingdom to have power and purpose in me. I am operating outside of what the kingdom has for me to do. Okay. And what I'm, and so I lose my power. I lose my, my, my sight of what God's doing. I lose my insights as to what's going on around me as far as the kingdom and as far as other people. I am under a spiritual attack. And that spiritual attack is to hate, or it could be to, to, to despair, to doubt, or to worry, rather than to walk into walk in love, joy, or peace. If something's causing my joy to be taken away, that's usually a spiritual attack. Or if something's settling me and causing me to be anxious, that's a spiritual attack away from peace. If something is causing me to be so focused on on it, rather than be focused on being kind 
or gentle to other people. That likely is a spiritual attack. It's causing my attention to be diverted away from the new human spirit God gives me, the Holy Spirit that's teaching me. He's guiding me. I've lost my way in being guided by that way, and I'm operating in anger, or I'm operating in in anxiousness, and I'm not kind, I'm not gentle, or I might not even be being patient. Sometimes you got to be patient with people. Sometimes you got to allow people to grow, allow people to see things from the right perspective, open their eyes up so they can see what's going on around them. Realize that I probably need to operate in what God's doing around me and figure out how this is working out rather than continuing to do the things that I just keep on doing. And so I need to be patient. Or I need to have self-control. I need to make sure that everything I do is according to the will and the way of God. And that means to, to not act impulsively. And if you're being pushed to act impulsively or impatiently in some, I'm going to tell you that likely is a spiritual. So many times a situation will develop and somebody come in and go, we got, we got to do something. We got to do something right now. And the truth is God wants us to be patient and wait and allow him to do what he's going to do in the situation. Brother Terry said, we're going to put that in the pot and let it stew for a while. And Pastor Terry, when he says that to me, I say, you know what? We probably do need to think about that for a moment. Let that just settle right there. Why? Because that's a spiritual gift that God has given us, the spiritual gift of being able to be patient, the spiritual gift of being able to sit back and say and evaluate and allow to tell us what to do so that we can act in a self-controlled, directed, very pointed way at the tip of the spear of God's will as he's working his will and his way out in our lives. We want to be the tip of that spear. We want to be the main thing he's using out there in the world to do his will and his way. We want to be a part of it. And so the only way sometimes for you to do that is to not get yourself out of there. And so if you'll notice, a spiritual attack is not necessarily attack towards sin, although all those things that are not the fruit of the Spirit are sin. What, the, what it's really trying to do is it's trying to get you off track of being a part of God's kingdom and God's work because you're not operating in the Spirit. You're back to operating in your own mind. You're back to operating in your own passions. You're back to operating in your own flesh, which makes you even be worse than that. How many times have you been around somebody and said, man, I need a drink? What they're saying is that I'm not going to operate in the Spirit. The Bible says, do not be drunk with much wine, but be filled with the Spirit. What they're saying is, I need a whole bottle of it. And, uh, and uh, maybe that'll make me forget about it. That's not a spiritual, that's not a spiritual answer to you, the, to the problem that's at hand. You're under a spiritual attack. You need to search God's word, search God, what God has to say in his word about that situation and apply his word to that situation. And that is the answer to a spiritual attack. If you'll notice when Jesus was under a spiritual attack and he was, when he went out into the wilderness, and the devil told him to do this or tempted him to do that. All those were spiritual temptations, although they did sometimes take on the form of physical. It was temptation to turn the rock into bread would have been, for us, would have been a fleshly desire for food. But Jesus didn't have sinful flesh like we did. So he didn't, it wasn't like he, he had a lust for bread. So it was a spiritual attack for him. And how did he answer that? Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God, what, did, what was his answer? Well, his answer was the word of God. He gave the word of God as his answer. And, and so also, when, when we took him up to the high place, and he said, if you'll worship me, I'll place you in charge of all these things. And what was Jesus' answer? His answer was to give him, that was a worldly attack as far as our, our, our point of view would be. It'd be an attack to be like the world, and I'm going to give you all the world. I'm going to put the, make the world your oyster. 
And, and, but for Jesus, it was already his. He was come to atone for it, not to take control of it. That's going to happen in his second coming. He knew that. And he said to the devil, he said, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That he answered with what? The word of God. When you're under spiritual attack, the answer is to turn to the word of God, believe it and act upon it. And the spiritual attack will go away. And that's the answer for that. You go, what does that all got to do with most of the Bible study? We hadn't, we hadn't even got to the verses. Let's read what happened. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work that none of the men in the house was inside. Uh-oh, that's not a good situation. Men, don't put yourself in a situation where you're alone with a woman, especially a woman who maybe wants you or you want her. Don't do that. That's a very, uh, that you flee it. He says, and she said, lie with me. But he left it, uh, he says, but he left his garment in his in her hand and fled and ran outside. Notice she grabbed a hold of his garment. She caught him by the garment. It says in verse 12, and she said, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. So what did he do? He fled youthful lust. There was sexual desire there and probably likely there was some sexual desire on his part. I'm going to say there probably was. And he said, no, I'm not doing that. And when it was pressed in on him and those fleshly desires, when you have them, whatever they are for you and however they play out in your life, they press in on you. And when they press in on him, you, you got to run from them. And that's what he did. It says, and so it was when he saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them saying, see, he has brought us. To, uh, brought to us a Hebrew to mock us. She's caught his garment. Now she's standing there with his garment in, his, in her hands and she don't want to embarrass herself. So what does she do? She lies about what Joseph's intentions were. And he came in to lie with me and I cried out with a loud voice. Now, you know what? Sometimes when you fight against sin, it will put you in bad situations. That happens every once in a while. That does happen. But the answer is not to give in to the sin so that you can so that you can avoid the bad situation. The answer is to do what God's desire is for you and allow him to work out the situation because this may be your opportunity for promotion. So allow God to work out his will and his way in your life and allow him to promote you. It's going to end up bad for Joseph for a moment. But notice every time something bad happens for Joseph, when he does the right thing, God promotes him in the end. And it may be the case for you that God's preparing to promote you. So you might be having a lust of the flesh in the midst of God preparing a promotion for you. Or you might have an attack of worldliness and a desire to be like the world when God's in the middle of getting ready to make a promotive move for you. He's promoting you. And it may be that when you are feeling that spiritual attack and that desire to be angry or hate or bitter or anxious or worry or doubt or all those things, it might be that God's preparing a great, a fabulous, a wonderful promotion for you. And he's carrying you through the process of change. And anytime we go through the process of change, it's going to change a lot of things and it's going to stir up a lot of things in our lives. You can't get out there in Lake Martin. Y'all know how it is. And you can't walk out in the lake and you don't stir up the bottom. The same is true with your life. When God has you walking out into his will and you're going to be all in the middle, swimming out there in the middle of his will, you're going to start out by stirring up the bottom of the lake. And that's going to make things a little muddy at the start, but it's not going to remain muddy. 
It's not going to remain that way because you're going to get out there in that crystal clear middle of that lake. It's not really crystal clear at Lake Martin, but some places it is. And and you're going to be swimming in the beauty and the wonder of God. But you got to go through the process of stirring up some of those things that you got to deal with in order to be promoted. And so he ran and she kept his garment and she lied on him. That's what happened in Alabama. That's what we call it. She lied on me. That's what he did. She did. She lied on him. She lied about what was going on in her life, and uh, she lied about what happened in there, and it's going to inure to Joseph's detriment in the momentary, but ultimately it's going to inure to his benefit in the long run. And that's true of every part of your life. The situation you're in the moment is meant to inure to your benefit. God works all things to the good for those who love him, and then those who are called according to his purpose. And remember, we we love him by obeying his commandments, doing what he says, and we're called according to his purpose by his own will. And uh, God works all things to the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And that's you. And that's a promise for you. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out, that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. And we see Joseph in another bad situation, which God is going to work for his good. And God's teaching him and growing him throughout throughout each event in his life and bringing him to the next place of his purpose and his will. And I'm going to say this to you, whether you're facing attacks of the flesh, whether you're facing temptations toward worldliness or soulishness, or whether you're under a deep spiritual attack. Your battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the powers and principalities and rulers of this dark age. And your weapon of choice is the word of God. And if you will trust in God's word, if you'll flee youthful lust, and if you will reject and not be conformed to the image of the world, his plan is going to be made perfect in you. And that is his promise from his word today for you. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.